the fan. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show, sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey and with me is Chase Wilsey. Good morning, Chase. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Doing well. Well, be, before we get to start here, a lot of changes here this morning that we'll kind of talk about. They're just sitting here talking, kind of looking at things. And you brought up, uh-oh, what happened to the, the inflation hedge, Bitcoin? <laughs> well, I see Bitcoin right now because uh, it's an open market, so it's yeah. still trading. It actually has fallen below 35000 now at about $34,887 right now. It looks like the real-time quote for Bitcoin. So as you said, I not really the inflation hedge people were talking about. And we said, what proof is there that it's an inflation hedge? It, it's a risk asset. And that's what it's trading on. Not this whole concept of inflation. That was, I think, craziness. Right. And and that's down about 50% from the high, somewhere between what, 66,000, 69,000, I think it was for the high. I mean, who knows? You have like different quotes on it. But still, that's a big cut on, on Bitcoin. And as you said, you don't realize it's a risk asset and surprise risk assets just don't go up yeah i i i think there's potentially a problem here and I, we don't do technical analysis right. but you know I, I was hearing people talking about well the technical bitcoin can't hold thirty six thousand. it's a long way down from there the thing i was saying to you this morning was you know we don't do the technical analysis but there's no fundamentals for bitcoin either right. so <laughs> what's going to hold it up and the, the big thing that, that I continue to worry about, and I still think there's enough money in the economy to have those buyers to, oh, it's a buying opportunity. But the problem that ensues with these risk assets is, again, we know the Fed's starting to take money out of the economy. If money starts to come out, who's going to have that opportunity now to step in and be like, oh, buying opportunity. Like, I have no cash left. I can't yeah. buy into it. You use up all your cash to buy Bitcoin on the dip, let's say. What if it keeps dipping? It, it, it's... It's a very dangerous thing, and I, I you know, I, I won't touch it. Right, and you remember uh, a week or two ago we talked about the holding of Bitcoin, that about 27% of Bitcoin is held by 0.01% of people, which if they're the ones selling and you're the little guy, you may have an issue because your little investment of, I don't know, 1,000, yeah, 10,000, yeah, is not gonna matter when there's millions that are saying, nope, we're done. So, yeah, and, we'll and see. I, I'm curious too because you bring up those big guys. They might be saying, you know, I'm still up a lot on it. I'm going to start taking some off the table here, and uh, some off the table could be like half their holdings if they're a, I'm going to say like a Bitcoin multi-millionaire. Yeah. It's like, you know, I've I've done well. I think I'm going to start selling off some, and that could create a downward spiral, yeah. spiral or a continued downward <laughs> spiral. Yeah. For I'll, sell my, I'll sell my I'll sell my Bitcoin. I'll buy some dollars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is a real currency. Let's move on here, talking about uh, another one that has uh, kind of been a, a high flyer that is uh, bottoms falling out. We're talking about Peloton, the problems keep on coming for Peloton as a stock trade as low as $23.25 this past week. That's a decline of more than 20% just for the day, and it compares to the company's all-time high close of $170 back in January of last year. And it's also lower than the IPO price of $29 a share. In terms of market cap, the company has gone from nearly a $50 billion company to about $8.5 billion this past week. 
What is causing the problems? Well, the company announced it is pausing bike production for two months. It had already halted its Bike Plus in December and will continue that through June. And it won't manufacture treadmills for six weeks starting next month. So a lot of things going on, but then also too, there's some controversy coming out. There's other things that maybe that wasn't so true. Yeah, and I mean, I'm gonna continue on kind of with some of the other things because you talk about the Tread Plus, which is the the treadmill, remember, that was kind of killed a couple kids and oh, yeah. in the hospital. They had those, they had to halt that last year, not talking about bringing that back in. But the thing that we kind of brought up in the past with uh, Peloton is, you know, the demand. And, and right now the company's talking about lower than expected demand as we kind of had that pull for during COVID. And now there's excess inventory and, and that's kind of why they're looking at halting production. And the thing that kind of chuckling over here, but it's kind of sad is to make matters worse, the company had some poorly timed investments to add capacity in 2021. They had a $425 million investment into a company called Precore that gave it an additional 625,000 square feet of space for production. And then also announced last May that it would be spending an additional $400 million to build a factory in Ohio. Now, the project is not estimated to be completed until 2023, so they don't even have that access capacity <laughs> yet. But what are they going to do with all this extra space if demand does not recover? And and as you said, the CEO did come out yesterday and said, oh, that report wasn't true. And the stock went up about 10, 11% on the news, still below its IPO price. But my concern is when I heard the report, he didn't really have anything, I'm going to say, to kind of reduce those concerns. He said, oh, the report's not true, but we're considering what to do with production. Right. It's like, oh, well, are you going to produce bikes or not produce bikes? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm still right. worried to see what their actual plan is. He said it was a leaked report that was false, but I think if the report comes out and it's somewhat true, right. I think the stock's going to tank even further <laughs> than the $23 a share. And, and we talked about this back during COVID when Peloton was trading you know, above 100, 150, or whatever it was, saying, well, what's going to happen when the gyms reopen? You know, the, the, the thing with the Peloton we, we talked about, it's, it's just going to lose the excitement because you're not going to do that for the rest of your life. And here we are, uh, 2022, gyms are wide open and people kind of using that uh, a Peloton as a nice coat rack is what they're actually using it for, which is pretty expensive for it's $2,000. An coat rack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, you want one, probably a good time to buy one, but... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, they're talking about, you know, what are they going to do with prices? They have somebody coming in to look at cutting costs. And it's just, I, I'm going to call it a disaster for the company. I mean, and they talked about competition too, like the Nord Attract. They oh, talked yeah. about Lululemon coming in. There, there's other players now in this space because they made it so successful in 2020, but there was no real barriers to entry as we've kind of seen. So I, I, I don't like the stock, even at these levels. I, I think there could be more potential problems on the horizon or Peloton. And I did want to say to kind of bring this up as people are, oh, well, the CEO and the other people in the company, they knew this was going to happen. And if you saw they sold stock at $100 a share, I kind of want to get ahead of that because I don't really like Peloton, but I'm going to protect these executives a little bit. The CEO, if you look at all his options and his stock holdings, he sold 5%. Yeah. Give me a break there, people. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> it's not like the AMC uh, executives yeah. who sold everything, the CEO and CFO. But yeah, I mean, if he would have sold 50, 60, 70%, I'd be like, oh, right. you knew something. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, and he, uh, it, it is kind of funny because at 100, it was still too expensive. You know, this co story reminds me of is years ago, a company called GoPro. 
uh, they had that mm. camera and like, oh yeah, this was great. And I think that stock went up to forty. Last time as high as like eighty. Oh, eighty. Okay, I, I believe so. I remember yeah. it going sky high. Right, and and I think now you see it maybe around six, maybe ten dollars a share. Companies will come back down to the real value, and it's Peloton real value. You know, twenty, thirty. I don't know. I I think it could fall maybe into the teens because that could be the real value for this company. Um, I don't think uh, they've never been profitable. I don't believe. I don't know if they ever will be profitable, but uh, definitely not going back to the one seventy it was at before. Let's move on. Just what real do you got? quick, I did pull up a chart of GoPro. It hit over eighty dollars a share back in two thousand and fourteen, and then it just plummeted. So if you were one of those lucky buyers back then, you're down about ninety percent as the stock now trades at eight dollars and ninety two cents. So uh, again, that's that's one proof. It's like, oh, the stock will come back, you know? Right. <laughs> nope. Yeah, and we're eight years later, and you're still down ninety percent on GoPro. <laughs> Just buy and hold, right? Yeah, buy and hold. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good strategy. Like, no, the company has to have, you know, cash flow and growing earnings and growing sales, and and uh, the GoPros and the Pelotons. It's just. Um, you know, don't don't think this is a value play. Like, oh yeah, this is a great value. Value is when you're paying less for the earnings. Well, company has to have earnings to do that value play. So, uh, let's let's move on here. Talk about another company. This is kind of I don't want to say surprise, but uh, I think it shocked a lot of people. Talk about Netflix uh, has a competition got the best in Netflix uh, this past week and morning trading. The stock was down over twenty percent, trading under. $400 a share, well off the $700 high. The company said it expects to see a smaller number of new subscriptions at 2.5 million during the quarter than a year ago, when it was 3.98 million. Yeah, and, and you know, you just look at the stock, it, it still trades at high valuations, but you look, I'm gonna say pre-cut before the major cut yesterday in the stock price. I mean, the valuations were astronomical on this company. Like 90 times earnings or something crazy. Yeah, and that's the issue with companies like this is when you trade off not the fundamentals, because we took a look at Netflix on our Smart Investing channel on YouTube. So if you want to kind of look at that, again, just go to our YouTube channel, and we gave a, actually a lot more detail. It's about a 15-minute video diving right. deeper in. But you see the valuations, they were just crazy. And we talk about they beat on earnings, they beat on sales, and the stock was down 20%. Well, how could that be? Because the people that were buying Netflix don't care about earnings or sales. <laughs> they cared about the subscribers. Yep. And we start to lose that or have that disconnect, I should say, between fundamentals and other metrics. That's where all of a sudden the stock can just crater because it becomes way, way, way overpriced when you look at the fundamentals of this company. And we still think there could be more downside for Netflix. I, I don't think the competition's going anywhere, that's oh. for sure. I, I think the competition's gonna heat up even more. I mean, we talk about uh, Netflix, I, be, I believe spending about 18 billion, uh, HBO Max spending 18 billion, Disney spending 15 billion, you got Paramount, you got all these other uh, ones coming in that, that, that they're, they're, they're competing for those people to watch their, their streaming shows. Well, four or five years ago, yeah, people were right on Netflix because they had no competition. Competition's not good for a business because it means you're gonna lower prices and you won't get as many subscriptions. I do remember in the past years, we'd look at uh, Netflix and it's like, well, their earnings went down, but the stock went up because subscribers went up. Mm -hmm. So they've never really been a great profitable company. So we'll see what they look like going forward. I'm, I'm not, I, I wanna say, I, I bet you, about the numbers, our target buy price would probably be somewhere around 50 to $100 a share. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I don't think we would consider that for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was gonna say too, we we're kind of talking this past week about, 
know, how, how people get so kind of wrapped up in, you know, Peloton's a great example. You were up, I think, 400% in 2020 on Peloton. It's like, oh, I knew it. I'm so smart. We talk about how one bad investment or one bad moment can kind of ruin many good investments. And what I mean by that is people, are, oh, I've done so well in the market. Well, again, you talk about Peloton. It went up 400%, but now you're back below the IPO mm-hmm. price. So if you would have rode that wave and you made a ton of money, you lost all that gain. Or you had somebody that, let's say, did really great investing in a company like Tesla or Amazon, two of my favorites, and they took those profits and bought Peloton at the peak, and you lost all that money. You have to be so careful with things, and that's why we don't get sucked into the hype, is I don't want to have an investment that goes down 90%. And that's where people, they, they end up losing so much money, and then they come back and say, the stock market's just risky. It's like, well, why <laughs> why'd you buy Peloton at... 200 times earnings. Right. And that's a facetious number. I, they didn't even have earnings. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the point is a very, very high multiple. And it's it's just a crazy thing to do. And, and people can lose their shirts when it comes to investing if they don't do simple things, I'll say, or the smart thing by not overpaying for companies. And, and you're right, too. And I, and I really hate when people say, oh, the stock market's risky. It's like, no, it's not risky. You make it risky by doing silly things and not looking or understanding what you're investing into because you're investing in businesses and that's the bottom line. Now, if you want to invest based on what I call pray and hope that, yeah, their subscriber is going to go up or this is going to happen here and not look at the numbers, you're gambling, you're you're risking things. And the other thing too we talked about in the office yesterday was recency bias where just because it's happened in the past, you think it's going to go on and on. And if you look at a chart of, well, just pick on Microsoft, you know, yeah, Microsoft's done great over the last few years, but look at a long-term chart of 20 years, and that is not the case. And if you think that the last three to five years is gonna continue on the next three to five years going forward, you're wrong. Look at the long-term thing, what's gonna happen. And it's very, you look at a chart and your draw drops because like, oh, that looks strange, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and, and Microsoft, great company, but another one, trading at high valuations, could that go down dramatically? I gotta say yes. I know it seems strange. People say, "Oh, that will never happen." But uh, I had one guy on my Facebook uh, the other day. He said, "Well, I think uh, no, that was Apple. Apple going to five hundred dollars a share." I'm like what? <laughs> yeah, and I, I just uh, people they get so wrapped up into it, and they've done so well in particular stocks that, again, as you said, they think it's going to continue on. And I know there's a lot of people with, with Netflix that thought the same thing and are still probably thinking, "Oh, it'll come back. It'll come back." Yeah. <clears throat> but sometimes it doesn't. And, and I'm going to implore people actually to do something a little bit different with Microsoft. Rather than, you can look at the long-term chart of Microsoft, but also look at the, the chart for Microsoft from 2000 to 2017. That's a fun one to look at because you made no money over that time frame. <laughs> well, well, that's not so fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I think it teaches people, you got to be very careful. And I mean, kind of talking about Microsoft and Apple. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens next week. I believe both of them report earnings next week. And if you get any inkling of bad guidance from mm-hmm. these companies, I, I, I think the NASDAQ, the S&P, that, that's going to go down another 5% perhaps next week if, if things do fall apart for those companies as well. And I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I don't try and predict quarter to quarter. But again, we talk about Apple and Microsoft. They're very expensive. They're priced for perfection. If the earnings report and the guidance isn't perfect, uh, they're going to fall, and they make up such a big portion 
of the indexes that they can bring those indexes down with them. And, and we've talked about too that uh, I just don't see a catalyst going forward of why things would turn around and go up because there's nothing great coming down the road. We do have the earnings coming out, yeah. which I think you'll get good past earnings like what we've seen so far in a few companies, but the guidance, a little bit shaky. So I, I, I think we could be in for a difficult time. And I believe the S&P is down almost 8%, NASDAQ down 12, over 10. Over 10. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I think we could have more to go. Uh, correction is 10%, so the NASDAQ is in correction territory. We could see the S&P drop into that as well. But, uh, I, and, and we talk about Apple and Microsoft. Their CEOs are not cheerleaders, they're pretty honest. Um, I don't see them coming out, well, yeah, we're gonna do great the next quarter. I, I think they'd be more realistic saying more about what could be the problems. Yeah, and I, I wanna be clear too, I, I'm not predicting that we're going to have the market go down another 5% next week and Apple and Microsoft are gonna miss dramatically on earnings. Right. I'm just saying be very careful if they do. And we don't own these companies, that's the reason we don't own these companies, they're, they're very highly priced. And as I said, if things don't go as well as planned, that's when the stocks will fall. And they very well could come out with good earnings and good guidance, but I, I don't think it'll send the stock much higher because it's already kind of priced into the stock. And as we said, I think early in the year, and it's only what, January 22nd, that uh, this is gonna be a volatile year. So I think what you're seeing now is gonna be kind of a picture of what we're gonna see going forward. It's gonna be, it's not gonna be an easy year where everything just goes up and, oh, it, it's down, it's down like 2% buying opportunity. No, that's not gonna be the case this year, so be careful. And what's causing that is the interest rates. Uh, I know that some people are disappointed that the Build Back Better plan did not go through. Uh, I was not one of them because I feel that our debt at $29 trillion, that is, <laughs> that's enough debt for, for now. Uh, one thing people don't think about is that if we add another couple trillion dollars to the debt, what happens to the interest rates? Yeah, I mean, as, as the interest rates go up, and we know they're going up, the government has to pay more in interest. And you think about it, I mean, just simple numbers here. For every one percentage point increase in rates, well, that's an additional $290 billion of federal interest expense. And just think about if the 10-year Treasury increases to 3.5%, I mean, I mean, you're looking at an additional $600 billion a year of new interest expense. And right now we already know we're having deficit spending. Right. So if we have deficits of a trillion dollars and now all of a sudden our interest expense keeps climbing up, well now our deficit is $1.6 trillion yeah. just to make it simple. And, and the issue here too for interest rates that a lot of people aren't thinking about is we've talked about the Federal Reserve side of things. That's kind of what I'm gonna call it the demand side. Well, don't forget the supply side of the equation. If we're doing deficit spending here as in the, in the government, that's creating more and more supply of federal debt or those treasuries for people to buy. If you have high supply and low demand, that creates a huge disconnect and increases interest rates even further. That is a very, very big problem. Hey, I want to pause real quick to let people know. I'm going to open the phone lines, take your questions. Uh, as always, without unbiased, no strings attached, give us a call at 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. We'll answer your questions uh, on stocks, on economy, whatever it may be. But um, I, I do wanna finish up on the, the interest rates because uh, we're talking about the government. Now, what also worries me too is that things go too far out of whack. Um, we could see more talk, and again, I think we're safe now for no rises in tax rates, but if all of a sudden you're seeing that debt go out of hand, you got now rising interest rates, they do get some of these silly programs through that are, are, are not gonna help the economy, just raise the debt level. 
Uh, and I have heard, and again, we don't want to get too political, not a political show, but I have heard they're going to try to break down the Build Back Better plan, get some things through. Well, anything they get through is going to be adding to that debt. This is not the year to do that. You, yeah. you don't want to do that because I, 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 I have said before, we can probably go up to $35, $36 trillion in debt and be okay, but I don't want to get there. You know, I mean, that, that's pushing. I think right now we're about 130% of GDP, which is uh, okay. You get about to 150, 160. Okay, you get to 200, uh, you could have a collapse. So, we'll, yeah. 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 And I want to be clear too. I know we've kind of talked a little bit more doom than we normally do on the show. <laughs> you know, most of we're pretty optimistic. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about doom. But I want to be clear too is we're not pessimistic on the whole outlook. And, you know, I do think there are some issues kind of, I'm going to say, grumbling in the economy right now, mm-hmm. and we still think there's going to be what, and it's kind of a funny term, I was talking to a client about it the other day, what I call a healthy recession, yes. where we're going to have a recession, but it, it's kind of good to get that reset every once in a while. I don't think it's going to be anything like the financial crisis, which was a crisis, that's dangerous, yeah. but, uh, you know, we'll get, a, I think, a healthy reset, and uh, the right stocks shouldn't fall as much. We might go down a little bit. But again, you can never time the market, and that's why we don't time the market. We know we have good businesses that can weather any downturns. I don't know if the downturn is going to happen in 2023. Maybe it's 2024. Right. That's why you don't try and time it. But you want to avoid the highly priced stocks because those are the ones that get hit the hardest. And that's what we're trying to alert people of at this moment. Yeah, and I've been doing this for 40 years, over 40 years actually. And it's just something that I know is going to happen. Uh, I don't like it, but it's just part of, the, of what you do. And the thing is, we've done everything right by buying good businesses at good prices. We'll weather the storm. But if you have gambled and you've done crazy things, don't know what you're doing, you're going to have issues. Uh, I, you know, again, we'll we'll be having our client event in March. We'll probably address this for our clients in more detail. But it, it's just part of investing, and you cannot avoid it. You cannot avoid the ups and the downs. And people think, oh, okay, I'm going to time the market. Well, we know that doesn't work out very well. So you, you you've got to. It really comes back to like when you're playing a football game. You practice how many hours and hours and days and weeks for that game. Uh, it's the same thing with investing. You gotta spend hours and weeks and, and many times months looking at these businesses and say, here's the one. And as we always say, well, never buy the absolute bottom or sell at the absolute top. But when you do the right things, you'll weather the storm. And uh, I, I can't tell what we tell our clients here on air, but uh, I don't say I'm optimistic this year, but I think we'll be okay yeah. is a big difference. Yeah, so. and I, I did want to say one thing. I know sure. we got a caller's now coming in, but uh, I was going to say, you know that this pullback is going to happen, and we know it will. Oh, yeah. But we can't tell you when is the problem. Right. <laughs> and people, oh, you missed Amazon. You missed, you missed Netflix, you know, before this whole right. pullback. You <clears> missed <throat> the Teslas, and you're right. We did miss them. We've been saying they're overpriced for years. But we know at some point everything comes back to the mean. I, I just can't tell you when. Right. And that's why we don't take those chances because these people that feed into it is like, well, okay, they said don't buy Tesla. Oh, now Tesla's up 200% since they said don't buy Tesla. Now I'm going to buy it. Well, what, you hope it's going to go up another 200%? <laughs> yeah. it, it's just it's a dangerous game to play, and uh, it's called what we call the greater fool theory where hopefully somebody's out there that loves Tesla more than you do, and hopefully they'll buy it. But it's it's a difficult game to play, and you're playing more of the emotional side than right. the fundamental side. <clears throat> right. And and again, the way we manage the portfolios is by buying good quality businesses, a concentrated portfolio. So we've done very well uh, over the years. You don't have to pick the uh, Microsofts or the Apples at the bottom to, to do well. And a lot of people that do that, it's only like 0.2% of the portfolio, and maybe now it's 1% of the portfolio. So it's just 
It's not what you buy, it's how you build that portfolio. And, and, and just, I know we've got callers coming in now, but, but just uh, the other thing too, it's not so much about buying that one great company, it's more about the portfolio management of your entire portfolio, how you do. So again, phone number is 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head up to San Marcos and speak with Phil. Phil, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Um, first, I wanna thank you guys. Uh, a few weeks ago, I called in getting some advice on Starbucks um, and uh, had to swallow my pride after listening to your show and take the dollar ten loss the very the very next trading day uh-huh. and then since that it's dropped another ten or fifteen percent so appreciate your advice on that okay, I'm glad that um, worked out. I've been looking at yeah we're always right in the short term like so that works more. out <laughs> what was that Phil uh, no, I'm I get, I'm looking at something now, and I was you know trying to do my backdoor calculation on EPS, and was interested in the fundamentals on ROST. And the way I see it is it is it worth a look if it drops below ninety? Yeah, and you know it's funny because I did look at this uh, myself. I'm going to say a week or so ago, so I'm glad you called in about it because I want to take a look at it again. I was not very impressed a week or two ago, but let's look at the numbers now, see where we stand. Again, the company is Ross Stores. Their symbol is R O S T. Not much short on the on the company. One point six percent, eighty eight percent held by institutions. Uh, we do see the last report for earnings was uh, October thirty first. Uh, P.E. ratio, 21.2, that's not great, but the industry's at 25.8. Price to sales, 1.9, same as the industry. Price to book value, 8.5, that's expensive compared to the industry at 5.8. Price to table book value, 8.5, half the industry at 17.3. We do see price to cash flow, 17.3 versus 16.2, and a good peg ratio here of 0.2 versus 2.3. Now, looking at the growth, uh, the one-year earnings per share change up 428%, well above the initial 114%. I would want to kind of know that sounds pretty high. Do they they have some some sales or was it very low the year before? Something, I mean, 428% growth on your, your earnings over the year is pretty high. Uh, we do see a nice sales growth uh, as well for the one year of 42.9%, uh, industry 19.6. Looking at the dividend, they pay a 1.2% dividend only use 18.9% there needs to pay out that dividend. And then look at the balance sheet, you've got a current ratio of 1.8, about the same as the industry at two. Uh, unfortunately, debt to equity 1.4 versus 1.2, and that's about my top for a, a limit on debt to equity is 1.4. Uh, look at some other things here, we do see that uh, their uh, day sales outstanding look uh, good at 3.2 versus 15.3, a lot of turnover there, which is a positive. Net profit margin looks good at 8.8 versus 7.2, and return on equity, very good, 40% versus 24.3. Uh, very important with what's gonna, gonna go forward here. Chase, what do you see? Yeah, so to start, uh, current price here for Ross Store is $95.43. I, I do see it's pulled back uh, quite substantially. 52-week high here, $134.21, and the low, $95.05. Uh, see year-to-date return down about 16.5 percent. So we, we've seen, uh, you know, not a great start for the year for this company, and it, it's been interesting. You know, this one, and I think it's uh, TJ Maxx. I think is the owner. I know they own a couple of different things, but I, I've always liked the concept of these like discount stores. Yeah. 
but they've just traded so pricey. And that's one thing too, is a lot of times people are like, oh, that's not a growth stock. Oh, it's not a value stock. It's <laughs> right. very, very pricey. And it's interesting to see how much this stock has pulled back with you know uh, the correction in the market. Uh, but going forward, that that's the important part we want to look at to see how much we're paying for those future earnings. I go to January 2023, I see estimated earnings per share of $5.36. Uh, what gives the target sell price of $88.98? So I know you're talking about if it falls below 90. I mean, falls below 90, it, it's still, I'm going to call it about fairly valued right. at $90 a share. So <laughs> I, I don't think that would pique my interest at, at that point either. But I will say January 2024 is what we'll be looking at here for companies like this uh, probably come, I'm going to say mid to late February when they report for their fiscal year. Yeah. And, and the thing too, Phil, that we like is a lot of people still like this type of concept as you talk about, oh, the discounters are great and so forth. That's not when you want to buy it. You want to go against the grain. You want to buy it when everybody hates it because, oh, it's over for them and so forth. Then we could see the stock price, if it were to happen, maybe fall down to a $60 a share, which would be a great buy then if this target price stays the same with those earnings. So you, you don't want to kind of follow the crowd, so to speak, because uh, I'll never forget CNBC years ago, they had this thing with penguins and they just showed the penguins just following one penguin off the cliff there. Well, it's the same thing. You don't want to follow investors off the cliff. You want to find that diamond in the rough that will grow over the next, you know, two, three, four years uh, that you got a good price on it. So uh, with Ross stores, we're going to tell you to be patient with it and uh, not buy it even below 90. Yeah, and the hard part too <clears throat> is the issue with stock prices kind of falling. Like, I, I mean, it's falling and it, from, you know, 135, I think I said, and it's like, oh, it's a buying opportunity. But the problem is you, you kind of had these growth and momentum investors. Well, they've kind of started to leave the stock. Well, then there becomes <clears throat> this point where there's this middle ground where the growth and momentum investors are no longer interested in it. And the value investors like ourselves are saying, well, I mean, it, it's fallen, but not far enough yet to actually make it a true value stock. So how long is that middle ground going to be until it hits that value point or it becomes appealing into growth and momentum investors. So it, it's kind of teetering right now. And that's where stocks can really, I think, struggle to find that ground is what philosophy is it going to fit into? Yeah. Yeah. So does that help you out there, Phil? Yeah. Thanks very much, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye -bye. All right. That does open the phone line. 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Uh, Chase, we do get uh, requests from people by email. If you want to do send us an email, don't want to come on air, you can do that. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can send the email to myself or Chase. Uh, this comes from uh, Johnny. Uh, he says, I doubt I'll be able to call, uh, let's see, I want to say, I'll call in tomorrow. But if you could run the numbers on John Deere, I think this ticker is DE stock and what you guys think of it, uh, he would appreciate it. So let's take a look at uh, John Deere, their symbol. I believe it is DE. Is that what you came up with, Chase? DE is correct, yes. DE is correct. Okay, so, and, and, and quite an interesting company here because of uh, will it do well going forward? So I'm kind of excited to look at this one here to see what John Deere looks at. And John Deere is more of a, con a farming type company versus a caterpillar that's more big construction. And farming, I know that they have uh, there's a lot of inflation going on. Their prices are going up. Could this cause good things for John Deere going forward? So 
Let's look at the numbers here on John Deere. Again, symbol is DE. They are in the farm and heavy construction machinery industry. Okay. Uh, uh, not much, not much short on it at all. 0.6%. Uh, we do see that they have a PE ratio right now, 19.2, just slightly above the industry at 17.4. By the way, if you want to know the S&P 500 PE, 26.4. Uh, price to sales, 2.6 versus 1.3. That's expensive. Price to book value, 8.1. About half the industry at 17.7. And then price to cash flow, 14.8 versus 12.3. Now, the peg ratio is still looking okay, 1.4 versus 2.4. Remember, peg ratio, you do want it lower uh, than the industry average. Uh, their earnings, uh, one year up 118%, uh, better than the industry, up 95%. Sales did climb by 24% when the industry was up only 18%, so that's a positive for the company. They do pay a 1.2% dividend, only use 18.9%. They're to pay that out. Taking a peek here at the balance sheet, we got a current ratio of 2.1, slightly better than the industry at two. Unfortunately, debt to equity, pretty expensive, 260% versus uh, 160%, so I don't like seeing that. Uh, now, they could be like a uh, like a uh, auto manufacturer because they may be carrying the debt. I want you to buy a tractor from them that maybe they carry that, so you gotta look at the uh, 10Q, 10K to find more detail on that. Uh, we do see, uh, let's look at day sales outstanding, 35 versus 82, that's a positive. Looking at the net profit margin, 13.7, very good, the industry is at 7.7. And the return on equity is 32.4% above the industry at 25.7, and return on capital 9.4, same as the industry. Chase? Yeah, and uh, the interesting thing I, I look at too is that debt to equity, you kind of mentioned it, I know Caterpillar, for example, their balance sheet always looks terrible. Yeah. but it. I haven't looked at it, I guess, in more detail in recent years, but it was always a really good balance sheet, even though it looked terrible because, as I said, they carried the financing. I'm willing to venture and say that's the case here with John yeah. Deere, but you do want to check the operating debt as well. But looking at the current price here for John Deere, $364.28, the 52-week high, that's $400.34. So we've seen a, a pretty decent pullback here on the stock. 52-week low, though, $278.95. I see year-to-date stocks up actually about 6.2%. Now, if I go forward to, uh, let's see, 2023, it looks like they report on a fiscal year, October 2023, that is. I see they have estimated earnings per share of $25.15. Actually gives us a target sell price here of $417.49. Now, I don't believe that gives us quite enough for our margin of safety of 30% that we normally like to see. That's yeah, uh, about 10, 15%. Probably. Yeah, but I, this is one I honestly kind of like it's it's one I might put on like a, a wish list. Right. Where if it kind of gets wrapped up in the stock market volatility and goes down with everything else, it could be one of interest. And I say this because uh, reading an article, I, I'd want to do a little more research on it, but they're talking more about these like autonomous tractors right. and, and, you know, kind of creating more service revenue. And this is one thing an industry like the auto industry and Caterpillar and John Deere have struggled with for years is it's so cyclical. Well, if they can get more subscription and service revenue, you kind of create less volatility in their earnings. And I mean, they were talking about, I don't know anything about farming, but how you kind of got to drill down and <laughs> yeah. you plant the seeds. And they said it's a very manual process, but they're right. working on processes to automate this. Well, gosh, if I'm a farmer, I'd want that new John Deere tractor where I don't yeah. have to do that all the time. That could be something that creates kind of like a super cycle for tractors almost from the farmers. 
and it creates again that recurring revenue so i think there's potential here i wouldn't buy it at these levels but maybe it's something of interest to watch and I think what you have to kind of look at before we go on John Deere is is understand how much comes from the farming industry, yeah. how much comes from construction. Because I have seen every once in a while you'll, you'll see like a big uh, backhoe from them or something, but very rarely. So my guess is, and when you invest, you shouldn't guess, uh, is that a big portion, maybe 70% comes from the farming industry, which I think would be a positive. And, uh, but check it out, make sure that's the case, because if it's not that, and I'm wrong, because who knows, maybe in uh, overseas, John Deere is big with people, I don't, yeah. I don't know. So you gotta look at the, the, the uh, uh, numbers and, and the, the information to, to verify that. And then you can say, yeah, this does make sense. And then you mentioned about the automation. Uh, uh, again, we talk about the labor shortage. Uh, well, it's not one farmer out there planting seeds. Well, they don't have to hire people. To do <laughs> they don't hire people to do that, which is very labor intensive. Uh, but that is something that could help. And then you didn't mention, I don't know if it's true as well, will they go EV? I mean, it going to be electric or is it going to be still, I think they use diesels, what they probably use yeah. on tractors. But um, yeah, so it, it could be an exciting industry. And one thing that we always need to do is we always need food. And if you can produce more food for less price, that would help the farmers and everything else. And and farming now, I, I, I think it's like 1% of our total economy because it's usually big farms. You, you go up, uh, what is it, 15 towards LA and you got acres and acres and acres of big farms that are actually now it's big business, not some little farmer with 10 acres, you know, planting corn. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I, I think there's something interesting on that. But uh, here again, you want to be patient. I think you said year to date, it's actually up 6%, yeah. uh, which is a, a good sign that it is going, because there are companies that will do well with inflation. So I'm thinking maybe the food thing could be why that is up year to date. Yeah, could so, be. Yeah. It, it, it kind of helps fix the inflation problem, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. All righty, phone number is 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. We have all lines open, but right now it's time to talk to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Well, good, good. I, I know today, and this is very important, uh, making sure that your financial plan is organized. Now, that sounds simple, but I bet you there's a lot of people that is probably not very organized at all on the financial plan. Yeah, so it, really what it comes from is you want to understand the total repercussion of all the actions that you're making so that everything you're doing is aligned with your overall financial plan. So I've got some examples just based on people I've talked to recently. Um, so the first one is I was talking to somebody yesterday and they've got money invested at a few different places um, with different advisors, which is uh, pretty common. But one advisor has an IRA, another advisor has a Roth account, another advisor has an after-tax trust account, and so they're, they're kind of all spread around. And the advisor with the Roth account was having this person contribute to that Roth using a backdoor contribution because this person is, uh, has relatively high income. So the idea is, okay, make too much money, we'll have you contribute to a traditional IRA with a non-deductible contribution, convert it over, um, you don't pay any taxes on it, you can fund the Roth going forward. I've talked about that um, previously on the show. So that's what this person was doing. But the problem is that advisor didn't know that this person had another pre-tax IRA somewhere else. So really what was happening is they were funding an IRA with a non 
deductible contribution. But on the conversion, because of all the other pre-tax money, that conversion was actually mostly taxable. So this person was paying taxes on on funding this Roth account, essentially making Roth conversions at a time where it was not efficient to be doing so, especially since this person was in their 50s. They were planning on retiring soon, which means they would have plenty of time to convert to a Roth at a lower tax rate once they no longer have wages anymore. Um, so it's an example of, you know, you thought you were doing the right thing by saving money in a Roth, but really what it was doing was was costing you extra taxes at a bad tax time when, when you're in a higher tax bracket. Hey, you know, Harrison, this is such an important thing that you, you bring up because a lot of times people go to a financial planner somewhere else besides our firm and they're only doing that one part or they say, well, we can only do a financial plan for you to have everything here. I, I wanna point out that at our firm, we understand that sometimes people, even though we don't do it, wanna do growth investing. So with you as our financial planner, you're not gonna say, well, you need to bring everything out to Wills Asset Management, or we don't do a financial plan for you. You actually look at, again, their entire financial plan, which would include money they maybe have with us, maybe money in another firm, their, their outside real estate. Very important people understand that because a lot of financial planners, unless you give them everything, they won't do a financial plan. Yeah, a financial planning recommendation is not, okay, well, you just need to invest your money with this person. <laughs> no matter where your money is, <laughs> no matter where your money is, you can do things. It's, from what I look at, it's more about what type of accounts are they, um, how much money is them, and how can we make them more efficient in align with the rest of your assets, the rest of your cash flow, your tax situation, and what you want your life to look like going forward. Yeah, and it's such important. So uh, again, thank you for calling this morning. We'll see you on Monday morning and uh, have a great Saturday. Thanks guys, we'll see you Monday. Okay, bye-bye. Again, that's uh, Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. Again, if you do want a free consultation with him, a couple ways to do it. Uh, one, call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. You can speak with him directly through the phone tree there. You'll hear his name. Or you can go to the website, check it out a little bit more at smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. I was going to say, too, kind of <laughs> while we mentioned the website, I did want to bring up one more time about our, our YouTube channel. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about Netflix a little bit at the beginning of the show, but you may have missed it. So, number one, you can go check out our podcast if you missed yeah. it on our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Or if you're curious about Netflix, we did do one of our Smart Investing Weekly Stock Analysis yesterday about Netflix. And again, you just go to YouTube, type in Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. You'll see our channel there and then uh, you can subscribe and uh, watch that, that video we did on Netflix there. Yeah, we, we usually do them every Friday. Yeah, last week uh, we had an appointment that went longer than anticipated, yep. so we missed last week, but uh, we, we're pretty good about doing it. Pretty, yeah, we, you, you always come out of All right, we got to do the, <laughs> the, 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 the YouTube. Like, okay, we'll do the YouTube. It only takes like 15 minutes, but it is. And we enjoy We enjoy doing everything. We enjoy managing the money, enjoy talking with people, enjoy doing the radio, enjoy doing the TV, enjoy uh, the YouTube. So it, it's things that we enjoy doing a lot. So uh, what we do enjoy is getting phone calls from people and I just looked over like, people think, oh, they're probably busy. Last week we were so busy. This week, right now, all phone, li all phone lines are open. So if you have a question on a company stock that you're looking at investing in, or you hold it, not sure if you continue holding or not, or maybe you just have other investment questions about is now a good time to invest, the economy, Give us a call here, 
833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And one thing I do want to talk about, Chase, you know, now now the calls aren't coming in, but I do want to talk about the metaverse. Oh, I was looking at that one. I I thought you would be, yeah. People will probably say that we just don't get it, but but we do think this whole concept of the metaverse is getting just a little bit crazy. Now, am I the only one that thinks that? You know, it's weird that people are buying virtual land for millions of dollars. Uh, As an example, a company by the name of Public Realm spent $4.3 million on a parcel of virtual land in some place called the Sandbox? (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. And and people are also talking about going to concerts in the metaverse, buying shoes in the metaverse, or I've even seen videos of people grocery shopping in the metaverse. I'm like... (laughs) Who likes grocery shopping? If I'm not going to spend my free time <laughs> grocery shopping in the metaverse, people, I don't know if you get like real food delivered to you or it's just something you're doing in the metaverse. But if you just get it delivered and you pick it out online, I'd rather just click online rather than going through the grocery store in the metaverse. <laughs> I'm not crazy. a big, yeah, I'm not really excited about going to the grocery store anyway. So why would I want to do that virtually? <laughs> I guess it's a good way to diet because I guess virtually you're getting no food, so you're not going to gain any weight. But it, this whole thing, and I think it is just the next step for kind of gaming. I mean, yeah. you, you you feel about things, you're gonna feel good. But again, when you take those goggles off, you wake up like, oh, reality, I gotta go to work, I gotta do things because you gotta make the money. Yeah, and I, I think there, there's something to it where I think people are gonna really enjoy the gaming aspect, but I, I just, I don't know, like a, my younger brother has the virtual reality headset and it was kind of cool. But it's not something I wanted to really do again. It's cool to see. Right. But I was like, ah. he was killing like zombies or something. And I was like, ah. it's really interesting, but I don't really want to do that anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's fun yeah. to do once. And after that, I think that's going to be a lot of people. It's like, oh, yeah, it's interesting, but I, I'm not going to invest in the metaverse. Yeah. And I know they're going to prove the technology, but I put those things on in a minute. I, I get all dizzy and everything. It's just like, uh, it, it's, it's not for me, but I'm sure. They'll enhance that as time goes on. Oh, I think I was uh, out for like two hours after I did it. I oh, really? had to go lay, yeah, I was at your house. I had to go lay on the couch for like two hours because I did <laughs> not feel good. I got super motion sick from it, too. <laughs> I, I'm getting motion sick just thinking about it. <laughs> it's actually funny. Harrison was over there, and I punched Harrison because I couldn't see him. <laughs> I was like spinning around. <laughs> I almost ran into the TV, and I punched Harrison. <laughs> Wouldn't keep you away from that, that gaming system. Uh, the metaverse wasn't made for me, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess not. So let's go back to the calls here. Let, let's go out uh, to Wayne on a cell phone. Wayne, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Good morning. Um, I'm good. Uh, my question is about Aero Electronics, ARW. It's got a low PE and a high earnings per share. Okay. And do you hold that or look at buying it? No. I, I'm afraid to buy anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if we can give I you some reasons. Advice. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if we can give some reasons to uh, get in this company. Again, company is uh, Aero Electronics, symbol ARW. Uh, not much float on it, 2.3%, 99% held by institutions. Now, that could be a problem because of the fact if they all own it, who's left to buy it? But let's look at the numbers here. We do see a P.E. ratio of 9.6 versus 14. Price to sales, 0.3 versus 0.4. That's a positive. Price to book value, 3 versus 10. And price to cash flow, 15.8 versus 20. And a very nice peg ratio of 0.3 versus 3.4. Now, we do see on the earnings per share growth, one year up 74%. That's very good, but the industry did better at 91%. Uh, sales are up 183 That's above the industry at 164 They do not pay a dividend. 
Look at the balance sheet here. You got a current ratio of 1.4, not as good as the industry at 2.0, but that's okay at 1.4. I still feel comfortable with that. Debt to equity, 50% versus 30%, that's okay. Uh, we do see day sales outstanding, 100 versus 73. You want that number lower, so that could be a problem. We also do see a net profit margin of 2.9 versus 2.5, and return equity looking pretty good at 18.8 versus 15. So, so far, everything for me looks pretty good. Chase, what are things look like going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Aero Electronics is $124.67. The 52-week high is $137.95. And the 52-week low, well, that's $96.40. I see year-to-date down about 7.1%. Uh, you know, kind of declining. I, I know probably why you're a little nervous to buy things, obviously, right now, Wayne. But, hey, maybe this is one to kind of add to, again, a wish list and see if it falls further. It could be an opportunity. And I say that especially— like 30%? I, I don't know if it's going to go down 30%. <laughs> but we'll, we'll that's, your, that's your number, remember, 30%. <laughs> oh, 30% is the margin of safety. And this company's got more than enough margin yeah. of safety because I, I look forward to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $16.22. I mean, it gives us a, I'm going to say, almost outrageous target sell price of $269.25. Yep. This company is trading at such low valuations. Now, one thing I'll point out is I, I see... 2021, the company's estimated to have year-over-year growth on its EPS of about 88.6%. Mm. Next year, it's about 11%, but then it drops down to just 1%. So I'm not sure exactly what this company does. I believe they sell some type of electronics. Are you aware of what they do there, Wayne? So basically just some electronic problems. I don't know if it's for the computer industry or or the uh, defense industry, but I know they're electronics yeah. manufacturers. Okay, because I, I just, I'm worrying again about the cyclicality of the earnings because generally yeah. when companies trade at valuations on the forward PE of under eight, it's either a mm-hmm. smoking hot deal yep. or it's a value trap. <laughs> so that, yeah. that that's where I'm looking at this is, is this a value trap where the, the multiples look great or is this a potentially wow deal on, on air electronics? So, uh, I, I was impressed by the earnings per share. And yeah. Currently, I think it's about 13. <laughs> yeah, and right. it's how long right. can those earnings last? Are, are they sustainable? Right. Or all of a sudden, are the earnings going to go from 13 down to 7? And that's where issues can ensue. Yeah, I, I think it would be very important to understand more what this company does. I, I, they reported, let me see when they reported, uh, September 30th. So the, probably the next uh, few weeks, you'll get the next quarterly report. I, I think I'd probably wait till that time frame to see what the executives have to say about the company, but really understand what the business is, because if this has something that's going to help with inflation or uh, the chip industry, something that's gonna be in high demand, you may not buy the absolute bottom, but it could be good going forward. And again, when we buy companies, we're looking two, three years down the road, could mean you buy the stock at, uh, what was it, the current price was, uh, 124, it could drop down to 110, like shoot, I missed it, but then a year from now, it could be at uh, 170. So. Look at what they do, understand the business. And I, I just very you know? briefly reading their, their profile, <clears throat> this intrigues me. They market and distribute semiconductor products. So uh-huh. it's intriguing because is this potentially a play on the semiconductor shortage as well? I, I don't know enough. I, I'd want to spend a little more time, again, looking at exactly who they sell to, what do they sell, because we know that there's an issue with semiconductors, and maybe this could be a potential benefactor of that as well. So I, I think there's some great potential here. But, uh, again, definitely needs a little bit further research there, Wayne. Do you think the interest rate uh, hike, even if they uh, they raise it uh, 
from zero where we are to 2% over the next year. It's, it, the quality companies are still going to stay in business. I mean, that's I, I have no problem with these Mimi stocks getting taken out of the out of the market, but I don't understand why the market is, has been selling off. I know the Nasdaq has sold off twice as much as the S&P and the Dow. I understand that. But there's plenty of major companies that still are going to make money no matter, you know, within within that interest rate range. You know what I mean? Yeah. Many times people don't understand that your higher quality companies, they could pull back a little bit, but not as much. It doesn't mean, oh, they'll keep going up. And this is not this this downturn is not going to last forever. We will turn it around, and that's what will happen. The, the, the big quality companies that are good, and not just big, but quality companies, they will rebound because they've got the solid earnings. Uh, who will not rebound as your high flyers like the Pelotons and, and and so forth. So that that's why we that's why I've been successful for forty years is because I've stuck to my what I know works here, uh, and it doesn't mean it works every single day but it works longer term. So I, I, I think this will be a rocky year. Um, I can't tell you what I'm telling our clients, what our prediction will be for this year, uh, on what we plan on doing, what I think we can do this year. But uh, I, I, you can make money in a difficult market. You just gotta be patient and, and uh, buy right. And the big thing that Brent said there too that <clears throat> I wanna point out is we'll still go down, but yeah. we'll come back. And that's the issue is if you go down and you don't come back or you fall a lot more then by holding these kind of, I'm going to say, more stable companies, that's kind of how you beat these periods is by owning the right businesses. And a lot of times people sell first and ask questions later, and people forget that just the shares that are kind of outstanding, what moves the market is just 0.3% of the shares outstanding is actually what kind of dictates that stock price on a uh, daily basis. So it, it's, you know, people like yourself that are maybe looking at the stock, ah, maybe you're seeing these people that are just selling it and selling and selling it, and it's not really creating enough of a floor just yet. So, yeah, that, that's just something to consider there. All right, Wayne. Thank you very much, Shimon. Happy New Year again. You too. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Amelia on a cell phone. Amelia, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent and Chase. How can we help you? We lose you? Uh, one more time. We, we are connected, right? Okay. Well, okay. Uh, next, uh, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent Chase. Um, I would, I'm interested in uh, what, what the numbers look like for Tudor Perini Corporation. For what? Please. Tudor Perini Corporation. I think it's TPC. Oh, yeah. TPC? Okay. We had, had the wrong symbol in there for you. So let's see. Or is it the Toro company? What's the name of the company? A TPC oh, is a TPC. symbol. Okay. So I, yeah, I get Tudor Perini uh, is oh, is the correct. company. <clears throat> symbol is TPC. Uh, they're in the industry of engineering and uh, construction. <clears throat> That's what we're talking about here, correct? Yes. Okay. So Jim, uh, do you hold that or look combine that one? I hold. It's a very small amount, but I'm just okay. curious if I should keep holding it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's take a look at uh, Tudor. Perini, uh, symbol TPC. Uh, we do see a, a short float of uh, only 3.9%. Institutional ownership, 68%. Great PE ratio here at six versus 21.8. Price to sales, 0.1 versus 0.6. That's positive. Price to book value, 0.4 versus not material for the industry. Price to cash flow, nothing there, unfortunately. I'm not sure why, because they got the earnings. And then we do see a peg ratio of 0.6 
versus 16.2. Now, unfortunately, over the last year, their sales, I'm sorry, their earnings have dropped by about 9.9% when the industry was up 27.5. Sales were down actually 0.1% when the industry was up 4.3. So you really wanna understand what is going on here, why are their sales and earnings not doing well? Something happened this past year, will it happen going forward? I do see a five-year growth rate of 10% versus 7.6, so that's a positive. They do not pay a dividend. Looking at the balance sheet, got a nice current ratio of two versus 1.3. Debt equity also looking good, 0.6 versus 0.9. And then net profit margin, 2%, not quite as good as the industry at 2.9. And return on equity, 6.1, also not quite as good as the industry at 9.9. And we like a return on equity of about 15%. Chase, what about the company going forward? Yeah, so current price here for, uh, again, TPC Tudor Perini is $11.45, really taking a hit off the 52-week high of $20.24. And the 52-week low, well, gosh, $11.45. So it, it closed at its low yesterday. I see year-to-date, it's down 7.4%. It's a pretty small company with a market cap of just $584 million. So quite oh, tiny wow. there. But I'm 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 gonna say I'm pleasantly surprised. There's three analysts for a company that that small. They have an average estimate for earnings per share in 2022 of two dollars and six cents. I mean, it gives us an extraordinary target sell price of thirty-four dollars and twenty cents. And I would think this would be a benefactor of the infrastructure that we need to kind of accomplish. And I think that's probably why it's pulled back. It hit the hype last year during the infrastructure deal, kind of going through and stuff, and perhaps pulled back. But uh, I mean, the valuations look good. Small caps just always kind of worry me because you're a little bit more on your own and they tend to be more volatile as well. Yeah, I did notice that the 10 year return on this company, a negative 27%. So, yeah. and that can happen with small companies that kind of get lost interest and you're stuck in that company for a long time. Uh, so I, 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 I know the target sell price look pretty good. But One fun fact before we gotta uh, go sure. here is it was founded in 1894. It's been <laughs> around for a long time. <laughs> And was the stock price $11 back then? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a long-term company, but uh, I mean, it's something that we would not buy. Um, and also, too, what could happen to this company if it goes much lower, it could be kicked off and be on the pink sheets and not being traded at all. So I, I, I would probably recommend stay away from this one here. All right, Jim? All right. That, that's good advice. Hey, by the way, as far as the metaverse and everything, don't, don't you miss those days when people would read a book or something, have a little paperback book? <laughs> Yeah, the, the, those days I think will still be around, but for less and less people, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, well, thanks for your advice. I appreciate it. Okay, Jim, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, I usually say that up with the phone line, but I look over like, where'd the time go? Where'd that hour go? It, it goes just, quick. It does go by quick, yeah. So great great callers today, some great information. I, I did have one that called in on the cell phone. I wanted to talk to, to them because they're talking about NVIDIA. Yeah, Amelia. Yeah, that, that would have been great to kind of talk about NVIDIA to see those numbers. I know they pulled back quite a bit as well. I think they're in bear market territory, down over 20%. Oh, really? Well, I think their high was, was it 360? I don't know the numbers. I just know they're down one. I, I think their high was like in the three, I would say 340, 350 range. Now about 220. Yeah. Well, there's a closing bell. So thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss some more detail, your investment needs, have other investment questions, Feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And be sure to visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. 
That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information, along with investing tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase. We'll see. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. To think that I did all that.